A new rule has been passed for D2 football, and now the CIAA and SEAC have the ability to have their own MEAC SWAC challenge on week zero and maybe even pair the two events together. Oh, yeah, it's locked on, HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off doesn't mean the journey's over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use the code Locked On College for $20 off. Your first purchase. I know you need that. Who doesn't want a little extra 20 bucks off, right? Now, we'll wrap up today's episode. <clears throat> excuse me. We'll wrap up today's episode with a look at the reported new Orange Blossom Classic matchup. No fam you, no Jackson State, but more specifically, no fam you. Prior to that, we'll look at the Houston Oiler connection. The new Texas Southern head coach, Chris Dishman, now brings a nice connective piece to that Houston Oiler to HBCU coaching pipeline. Um, and then also prior to this, as we kick off today's show, we'll look at the CIAA versus the CIA because they have the new ability to have a CIAA CAC challenge in week zero. And I want to explore not only how we got here, but then also what it could mean and all of those things in between. So without a further ado, Division II schools prior to this didn't have the ability to play on week zero. If you remember, or if you just think, right, because like this isn't something that I don't think everybody's aware of. It's not something I really even thought about until last year because they put this proposal in last year. And then, but one thing that I that you notice if you've really just been paying attention and thinking about it is that division two teams don't play on week zero. It's very rare. And it's something I didn't notice because the majority of D1 schools don't play on week zero. But they didn't even have the opportunity to play. That wasn't a thing that they could do. And now due to the SEAC and the CIAA commissioners coming together, and they put this proposal out there prior to last season, and it got shot down. This is when I first started thinking, oh, yeah, I guess I never have seen D2 schools play on week zero. It just didn't – didn't. I didn't know it was – I didn't know they were restricted from doing it. I just didn't think they did it, just didn't notice it, right? But they want to, and they have a plan. They've outlined a plan. So – this has now been pushed through. It was declined prior to last season. Now it's been put through in the beginning of 2024. So now going into this, into this 2024 season, maybe the 2025 season, depending on how much needs to be worked out to get it done, we could have a SEAC CIAA challenge. And I don't know if they'll phrase it that way, but they put this proposal in. They pushed it. They got some help this time. And I think that might have been the reason it got approved. But they were the ones in the, in the front 
pushing this lead, pushing this uh, initiative. And they also already had a plan. They want to put the CIAA champions and the SEAC champions together against each other on week zero. And I think that's phenomenal. I think that's a way to immediately establish this as a big time game. I'll be honest with you. Every single SWAC MEAC game, except for two, just another week to me. Just another week to me. Right. If, if South Carolina State and Jackson State faced off in week five, it would just be South Carolina State versus Jackson State in week five. Like like I would cover it, but it's not something that I'm sitting here really thinking, oh, man. But when it becomes the SWAC uh, MEAC challenge, when it comes to the Celebration Bowl, those two games starting and stopping in Atlanta. Now that right there, that's when you have a big deal. That's when everything feels blown up. So the CIAA and SEAC, they could face each other near, uh, in their non-conference games. That would be no biggie. They could do that but it would just be another week. Now, when you get this challenge, so to speak, now it's a big deal. Now it's something that really will catch people's eye. And I want to know how it happens. I want to know how it happens because do you pair it with the Swag Miak challenge? That feels logical. It feels like something we've we've put out there before. I don't know if I would do it, right? Like this, there's just so many different aspects. For example, if you pair it with the Swag Miak challenge, when does it happen? <clears throat> I don't think that you can have it the day of. I don't think you can do one and then the next one. It can't be like a state championship game, right? It's not like, oh, let me go to Cowboys Stadium or let me go to NRG in Houston and we're just going to watch the 5A championship and then the uh, the 5A Region 2 championship back-to-back. They have to paint the fields, right? They don't have to paint the fields. But for this SEAC, Mac, SEAC CIAA, SWAC, MEAC challenge, all these – acronyms and words that are acronyms made into just words it's, it's tripping me up when i'm trying to say them all together but you got me division two division one right like those hbcu conferences going against each other you're gonna have to paint the field unless you're gonna make a big logo that has both of these things then that's a way that you could do it that's what you could do. i didn't think about that when i was writing my notes but that's a way that you could do it, it are you gonna do it that way then how does ticketing work is it you have to buy a ticket for both? Like, like, what is the process? There's so many logistics that go into pairing it. Then do you do it on Friday? If you do it on Friday, you can have separate tickets. You can have time to paint the field over, right? Because if you do a big emblem in the middle, right, the midfield logo, because we ain't, we ain't playing in Pittsburgh. Y'all going to paint this field. Like, this ain't Heinz Field back in the day. You're going to have to paint this field. If you paint the middle logo, right, the midfield logo with SEAC, versus CIAA and then SWAC versus MEAC. If you paint it that way, are you going to leave the end zones blank? The SWAC MEAC challenge doesn't. They don't leave the end zones blank. So it's just things that you have to figure out. And I ain't got the answers, but I do have the questions that I think need to be asked. And they'll answer those questions. People who are making the decisions will answer those questions. This is not to discourage anybody. Oh, yeah, this isn't that good of an idea. No, these are ideas or these are questions that should be easy to answer for those who are in that realm of answering those type of questions. I don't think I'm asking difficult things. I'm asking for scheduling and time. That's it. And how is it going to work either with the swipe me? Maybe you just say, you know what? I don't want to do it with them. I don't want to do it, though. I want to do it by myself. You know, like I just want to independently at a different time, of course, we're not going to compete, but I just want to have it. I don't want to have it in Atlanta. Maybe I want to have it in one of the, the conference champions home stadium. I, I don't know. Like there's different ways to go about it, but I don't think these are hard questions to answer. Now, outside of HBCU pride and everything for D2 football, this is an amazing move. 
not because it allows you to have week zero accessibility, but because it allows you to have a bye week. And I think it's crazy that D2 football didn't have a bye week up to this point. I don't understand how that's explainable. You look at Lincoln or not Lincoln. You look at Virginia Union. See, I was thinking that Coach G connect. I was thinking his his uh, where he works, not his alma mater. But like when you look at Virginia Union, they played every single week, 10 weeks. Then they played a, a, a conference championship game. Then they played a playoff game all in a row. That's ridiculous. It, with all due respect, like I had a bye week in high school and we didn't play. I think we played the same amount of games. We played 10 and then we played, uh, then you had the playoffs, right? And of course, you're not going to have a bye week th throughout the playoffs. That doesn't exist. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm lost for words. I just got stumped for some reason. But <clears throat> basically, what I'm saying is for a safety standpoint, for a just in how everything else goes, you get bye weeks. Everybody has a bye week. College has a bye week. Pro has a bye week. High school has a bye week. Why doesn't D2 have a bye week? Like this just, this is just, this is well overdue. And if getting a bye week means you have to have a week zero game or you get to have a week zero game, then so be it. I will schedule everybody with a week zero game if it means I get to have a bye week at some point throughout the season. That is a welcome addition. If they don't do a swipe me act, if they don't do a CIAC, CIAA challenge, and they just say we want to make sure we get a bye week, perfectly fine with me. That being said, they're completely going to do it. They have already outlined this this uh this plan so they're going to do it now as we move forward this is the feature friday that i think is pretty cool and shout out kyle t mosley because i think it was his article that pointed this out and really sparked this idea in my head so let's look at the houston oiler pipeline to hbcu coaching as we continue with locked on hbcu Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, tomorrow, we got AFC action. We got NFC action. The end of the football season is bittersweet when it comes to me because I, I hate that it's gone, but I love this time. You have Ravens versus Texans. I don't remember the other game, but we're going to go with Ravens versus Texans. Are you picking Houston? Are you picking Baltimore? Are you picking C.J. Stroud? Are you picking the MVP, Lamar Jackson, right? These things are these are both of your options. No matter who you pick, though, if you knew the fan duel, you get $150 back in bonus bets as long as you put down a $5 bet. It doesn't matter if you win or lose, right? You pick Houston, they lose. It's cool. You get $150 back. You put uh, the Ravens and they lose. All right, you get $150 back. I'm going with them Texans. I'm telling you right now, I, I had the Ravens until yesterday. I'm rocking with them Texans now. I'm just letting you know this. At this per at this current moment, I'm rocking with the Texans. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. And if you're new to FanDuel, you get $150 back no matter what. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. And remember, for your second listen, go and check out Locked On Sports Today. It's our national channel, 24-7, all day, every day, 5 a.m., 3 a.m., 3 p.m., 5 p.m. You'll catch a show on there, first of its kind on YouTube. But I want to look at this Houston Oiler Pipeline to HBCU coaching, and that is a pun that was intended. But there are currently four HBCU coaches, head coaches specifically. There are four HBCU head coaches who are former Houston Oilers. Mind you, not Texans, 
but former Houston Oilers, the team from back in the day, I wasn't even around. I, I didn't live through the Oilers that have now moved on to Nashville, Tennessee and become the Tennessee Titans. That is who we are talking about. Four former Oilers. And I think the fact that it's a, a, a franchise that doesn't exist anymore kind of makes this an even cooler connection. But four players from one team is ridiculous. And guess what? In a way, they're almost all connected. Bubba McDowell is the one guy who's a little bit not as connected. They don't have any, he doesn't have any overlap with anybody. But Chris Dishman, the new Texas Southern head coach, is the guy who really is the connective piece between everybody. There's a, a there's just a loose connection if you go through everybody else. So let's get into this because I think Kyle T. Mosley wrote about Dishman adding to the Houston Oilers, former Houston Oilers. And it just sparked this in me. I wanted to look at when did these players play? How much overlap was there? Because the Oilers moved in 97. So their last season was 96. And then they became the Titans. Bubba McDowell played for the Oilers. He's now the Prairie View A&M head coach, for those who don't know. He played for the Oilers from 89 to 94. You got Eddie Robinson, the Alabama State head coach, who played with the Oilers from 92 to 95. You have Chris Dishman, the Texas Southern head coach, as I previously mentioned, and he played with them from 88 to 96. And you have Eddie George, the Tennessee state head coach, who just played there in 96 before they moved to the Tennessee Titans, right? He was a rookie that year. He's kind of the oddball, him and McDowell. George and McDowell are kind of the oddballs in this situation in the sense that they are the exemption for a couple of things, right? So Eddie George, he didn't play with any of these guys as an oiler other than Chris Dishman, right? So they he's also the only offensive player. He's also the youngest player. So he's kind of an exemption from those other guys, but he still falls in his group just barely. Then you look at Bubba McDowell. He's the guy who he didn't play with George at all. And we'll get into that in a minute, right? Because I think it sounds confusing. But just know McDowell, 89 to 94, George, 96, Robinson, 92 to 95, Dishman, 88 to 96. If you can't remember all of those numbers, that's fine. Dishman is the connective piece because, as you see, he's the longest tenured Houston Oiler in this group. He was there from 88 to 96. So he was there before Bubba McDowell got drafted, and he was also there when uh, he was also there when George got drafted. He's the only person to play with all three of these players as a Houston Oiler. And that's specific because Eddie Robinson left in 95 right before Eddie George showed up, right? So Robinson left right before George showed up. But then he came back and he ended up being a Tennessee Titan a little bit later down the line. So that's where he ended up playing Eddie George, right? So Dishman played in the secondary with McDowell. He played on the defense with Robinson and all three of those guys were together from, let's see, 92 to 94. So three years, they all played together. And Dishman was in the, in the backfield in the secondary. McDowell was in the backfield in the secondary. And then you have Robinson, who was a linebacker. And he was, you know, on that second line of, of defense. Then you have George, who came in in 96. Then they moved to Tennessee. George is the only one who transferred from the Houston Oilers to the Tennessee Titans with the team, like. 96 97 he's the only one who was on the team at that moment everybody else had left right you look at dishman his last year was uh 96 they got rid of him when they went to tennessee they said nah you a houston guy bro we gotta we gotta let you be in houston we can't come to tennessee but overall i just find this to be the funniest thing i find this to be the funniest thing that they're all loosely connected in dishman now being added is that connective piece because before robinson 
played as a Titan. But that was his connection to George. McDowell doesn't have any connection to George. Right, really? He came in 89 to 94. I'm sure they know each other. I'm sure there's some overlap, right? I don't know exactly when McDowell retired from the NFL. That's just when he left Houston. But I'm sure they like they know each other. They might have a relationship. But as far as teammates, they never were that. George and, and McDowell never played together at all. You know, and, and Robinson and, and George, they played together barely a little bit later. And it's funny to me because I didn't even know that Eddie George was a Houston Oiler. He played his rookie year there, kind of like KD and the Sonics, right? Like, now granted, I think that KD to the Sonics gets a little bit more love, though he is still a legend. George is a Tennessee Titan legend. I don't even think about him when it comes to the Houston Oilers. Part of that has to do with my age. Part of that has to do with the fact that I only experienced him as a Tennessee Titan. Maybe those who saw his rookie year, they think about that. I don't know. I, I wasn't around. I wasn't even, I wasn't even in my mama belly at that time. We're gonna be honest with you, right? I 25, man. I was born in 98. Um, this is different. This is different. Um, but I just think that's cool. And there's no real takeaway from this. It's, it's none of that. This is just a really cool story that you have four players who play for a franchise that no longer exists. In there's a connective piece, right? But you have four players who play for a franchise that no longer exists that all become HBCU coaches. Three of them are within the swag. Two of them are you you look at the guys who are probably the closest connected. And that's McDowell and, and Dishman. Dishman and Bubba McDowell, who from 89 to 94, the whole time that Bubba McDowell was there with Chris Dishman getting a, a, an all pro in 91, they played in that secondary together. And now one's at PV, one's at TSU, and they're going to meet every single Labor Day. This is fun. This is fun. Bubba McDowell, PV. Eddie George, Tennessee State, Eddie Robinson, Alabama State, and Chris Dishman, the Texas Southern University. All former Houston Oilers, all kind of connected by Dishman, and they're all HBCU coaches. Now, that's the Feature Friday. Now, as we continue rolling with today's episode, I want to look at the Orange Blossom Classic because it's no FAMU. This is FAMU's thing. There's no FAMU. There's no Jackson State. But they have a reported new matchup that we're going to look at and tell you what I like that they made this particular decision as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time, and I hyped this up. I, I hyped this up for weeks that I was going to go to this Mavericks versus Pelicans game, and then Texas messed me over, and I wasn't able to go. I wasn't able to go because of the stinking ice that was on the roads. I was unable to go to this game, but it's all right. It's all right because the reason that I love game time is I could wait all the way to the last second. I can wait until that Monday morning and see the ice and say, oh, I don't want to go, or maybe I did want to go, and I will still get the best price. They'll give you 110% on the difference if you're able to find a better seat in the same section in the same row somewhere else, but you're not going to. That's how confident they are. They said they'll give you your money and some. Give you your money and some. So go to Game Time, or excuse me, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On. Go to Game Time, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On. And by doing that, you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Whether that's going to a, a, a pro game, maybe you got a maybe you got a playoff team in your city. If you want to go to a basketball game, you want to go to a comedy show, you want to go to a theater play. They have all of these things to a concert, any and everything. Just go to Game Time and use the Game Time.
As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Florida A&M is out of the Orange Blossom Classic, but the Orange Blossom Classic is not out of commission. And I think that this is an interesting decision by this committee. It was decided a while ago that FAMU wasn't going to be there. So this is no surprise. And the Orange Blossom Classic announced that they weren't going to stop. So this is no surprise. But who was going to be in this game was a whole different story. And for me, I'm looking at the decision to go Alabama State versus North Carolina Central with two thumbs up. Right. What Rick James say, I wish I had two more hands so I could give this decision four thumbs up. It's not at all with what he said. My Chappelle show people get that. Not at all with what he said. But it fits here. Now, I'm excited to see this game for a couple of reasons. Excuse me. I'm excited to see this game for a couple of reasons. And I love the decision because it took Jackson State out. And I know that was already, I don't even know if Jackson State was an option to come back. I think it was already decided that JSU's contract or something. I don't think JSU was supposed to be here. But the fact that in this new era, it's been FAMU versus Jackson State, that so many, that some people, and I won't say so many, but some people have made it synonymous with those two schools. No. That's why it's not weird to me that Jackson State's not a part of this. Jackson State is a part of the new era, but this is FAMU's classic. And I understand this has been around, this hasn't been around since 78. They took a 40-year gap. So a lot of people weren't even alive at that time. I get it. Or they weren't paying attention. I get it. So the new era of having these two teams, that's what it feels like the Orange Blossom Classic is. Because since it's been back, that is what it's been. Nah. It's a little bit different. Excuse me. It's a little bit different. This is not the Southern Heritage Classic where it is Tennessee State versus Jackson State, and then them departing was weird. That that's This is not that. So Tennessee State deciding that they want to face UAPB, and then the Orange Blossom Classic deciding they want two different teams, not equal in this situation at all. At all, I do not believe that this is equal. But I think that it was very smart. A, what if FAMU wants to come back? I can't have people thinking that this is Jackson State's Classic. And I don't know, maybe that's the ego. I got I got pride sometimes. But the Orange Blossom Classic is synonymous with FAMU. They've been in every single one and I, I'm talking about since the 30s. This is the first one they will ever meet. 33 to 78 and then 21 to current. They've been in every single one. This is theirs. It's a revolving door of opponents, but this is not just Jackson State versus FAMU. So I'm glad they went two completely different ways because if you do put JSU in this situation, then it could kind of further some opinions or maybe cement an opinion that the new era of the Orange Blossom Classic was FAMU versus Jackson State. And the fact that Jackson State is still around, it makes them equally as synonymous with this classic as it does the Rattlers. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that because that's not the history of it. But also, that's not that's the reason I don't feel weird about it. I don't feel weird about it at all because I don't make them synonymous with it. And I've seen somebody express that. It's weird that FAMU's not here. And I hope that they come back because this is their thing. It kind of feels weird to have an Orange Blossom Classic. But after a while, it won't feel weird. After having a bunch of different teams, it won't feel weird. Maybe it becomes an Alabama State versus North Carolina Central thing. Maybe they they... They just do a revolving door of multiple opponents. But I like that they picked who they picked because it's a SWAC versus MEAC school, number one. And then also, I like the opponents. I like the matchup. This is not two juggernauts because Alabama State just hasn't been a juggernaut. And then North Carolina Central is losing pieces. 
So this is not just two juggernauts. It's not as if you have a Celebration Bowl repeat. It's not as if you have uh, North Carolina Central from last year, who was kind of running it back. Like they had a real amount of just, sorry, that might be uncomfortable, Rattler fans. I'm not, no. <laughs> no, but anyway, seriously, you had North Carolina Central who really had a very similar team from their Celebration Bowl victory. That is not the team that exists in 2024 or will not be the team that exists in 2024. So it's not as if you have two juggernauts where we're like, oh, this is going to be a crazy game. I'm interested in the intrigue, the intrigue of the unknown. I'm interested in the fact that you don't have Davius Richard. You don't have Mookie Collier. You don't have a couple of pieces on defense that entered the portal. I'm looking at Alabama State. You just got a new quarterback. What's going to happen? What does the body era look like out there at Alabama State? I have questions. I have interest. I will be seated period like this is a game that i believe we should really enjoy as hbcu fans if you're going to continue this i think you needed a big matchup you need the first one without fam you to be a big matchup because if it's a dud without them like let's we and we won't be able to know until then but if it's a dud without fam you might be the end might be the end of the orange blossom classic I don't know, but I don't think that this game will be a dud because there's a lot of things to be interested in. And it's not the Swipe Miak Challenge, but it has a very similar feel, in my opinion. This is not that just a regular week one Swipe versus Miak game, as I described at the beginning of today's episode. Florida Florida A&M stepping out of the Orange Blossom Classic feels weird. It does. But if I had to have one thing that would make me less interested in, or, or, or excuse me, less negative about the future of the Orange Blossom Classic, it would be Alabama State versus North Carolina Central. This is one of the games that they could have picked to create some excitement, and I'm glad that they picked it. Now, I'm recording this super early. Hopefully no news breaks today. If it does, we will cover it on Monday. If it breaks over the weekend, we will cover it on Monday. We'll be back with Monday's episode and whatever the hottest story. Maybe Tennessee State hires a uh, hockey coach. I heard they're near a historic hire, so maybe that happens over the weekend. But in the meantime, in between time, if something does break, and you know you need to come to me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.